Appreciate the traveling grace, opportunity to get to come here. What a blessing. Most grateful, though, that I'm saved. I thought this morning, I was texting a brother of mine, I thought, just amazing to me that God come got me, put me in the family of God. What a blessing to be born again. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 1, I'll just read the first 10 verses, and then you can be seated. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I count laws for Christ. Yea, doubtlessly, I count all things but laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, but which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. You may be seated. Lord will help us for a little while tonight. I want to preach out of this portion of Scripture. I thought about how Paul's attitude changed. You read about him when you first find him in the book of Acts. He despises the Lord. He's want, he's, he, in his mind, he's going to do everything he can to destroy the people of God, the, the church. He don't think they're the people of God. And he cannot stand the Lord. He despises and he wants to wreak havoc. And he does for a while. But then he meets the Lord. And his whole attitude changes about the Lord. And that, that's what he's dealing with here in these verses. And I want, the, if the Lord will help me tonight, I'm just going to take my time and preach what God has laid upon my heart. And I just want to encourage you. And he says here, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's a good thought. He's challenging them despite the circumstances. And it was not easy to be a Christian in that day. And there's the persecution of Rome. Paul himself was in prison. And he says, despite all that, rejoice in the Lord. And I want to challenge you this night, if God will help me for a little bit to preach to you. And challenge you to rejoice in the Lord, even in this wicked day we're living in. We've got something to rejoice in. Or someone to rejoice in. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done for us what nobody else could do for us. I'm, I, this morning, as I got out early and went on the back of the farm and was praying about tonight, I was thinking, God, that I don't have to go to hell. That I'm going to get to go to heaven one day all because of Jesus Christ. I love it. 
I'm glad that uh, he come into where I was at and let the man of God preach the gospel to me and prick my heart and brought me under old time conviction and led me through humble repentance until he brought peace into my heart. And Paul says, I want to remind you, brethren, I'm, I'm repeating myself, Paul says in this first verse, but he said, it's not grievous to me, and for you it's saved. You know, there's just some things that need to be said over and over and over again to the people of God, and one of them is rejoice in the Lord. He's worthy of praise. It's easy to get the blues in the day we live in. Our country's come apart at the seams. Everything's a mess. But hey, I checked in this morning. He's still on the throne. It's still running right according to schedule. And I trust him. I want to say we ought to rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that right? Give him honor and praise and sing for him and glorify his name and come to church. When the, everything's falling apart out there, come in here and remember how that our Lord is in charge and that he sits on the throne and not a thing has changed in heaven and it's all right and he's going to take care of us and rejoice in the Lord. Give him glory and honor. It's a message that needs to be repeated over and over. And it's not grievous as a man of God to preach to God's people and tell them that our Lord is in charge and we can rejoice in what He's doing. It's safe for you to hear it over and over. I hear people say, I I get tired of the preaching. I don't get tired of the preaching. I like the preaching. I need the preaching. I'm glad when the man of God opens a book. And I may have heard that same scripture over and over again. But when the touch of God gets on the preacher, it helps me. Some things need to be repeated over and over and over. Now listen. I'm just following the Lord. I'm not really going the way I thought I'd go, but I'm going the way the Lord's done to me. So I'm just going to preach what he tells me to preach. And I tell you, rejoice. It's safe for you to hear it over. Don't get tired of coming to church and letting the man of God open that book and skin your hat every once in a while. You need to be preached to and told over and over again that God is right. We're wrong, but we can trust him to take care of the matter. So he rejoiced. And then he says, beware. Lord, have joy, but there's some things you need to watch out for. There's some things that if you're not careful, we'll steal your joy, we'll wreck your life, we'll ruin your home life. And so you need every once in a while for the man of God to get up in front of you and say, beware. Watch out. Withdraw from some of that stuff. Clean your life up. Get away from that crowd you're running with. You get right with God and God will bless you for it. Isn't that right? 
He said, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. I, no doubt he's probably, I, for the most part, talking about those Judaizers who were trying to bring things in the church. I, but, I, you know, it's interesting to me. I, those dogs were I, unclean animals in the Bible. I, but you can go over to Isaiah I, chapter 56 and you'll find I, him talking about dumb dogs and greedy dogs. And he's talking about I, false watchmen, I, men of God. Our preachers, our, our prophets of that day who were failing to do what they were supposed to do. False. Uh-oh. Uh, watchmen who were not uh, meeting the standard. He said they were dumb dog. They were silent when they should have been barking and telling some people about their sins and warned to get right with God. They weren't doing anything but tickling their ears, making them laugh at jokes. And I want to warn you this morning. Uh, you better steer clear from false preaching. Get around the... the real stuff and stay with it. You say, I don't like it, preacher. It's too straight. It comes by hide. Hey, it's what you need. It's what your family needs. It's the preaching of the Word of God. You better watch them false preachers. Tickle your ears. Won't, won't, won't preach against sin. That's what he said. They're dumb dogs. They won't, they won't bark at anything. A dog that won't bark at anything ain't worth anything. Won't bark. Martin Luther said this. I've always liked this. He, in one of those quotes I've read of him, he talks about, hey, he said, if I could expound the scriptures, if I could, if I could, you know, voice loudly what I'm saying, but if I will not take a stand at the place where the world and the devil is in conflict with God, I'm not being a real man. I'm running from the battle. Hey, I know preachers that'll preach against things they know nobody will have trouble with. But they won't rear back and tell people it's wrong. It's wrong to live together. It's wrong to dress ungodly. It's wrong to watch television and dirty movies and get around at night and turn on the internet and look at things that aren't right. Hey, I wish you'd understand. You need to be wearing some things that'll wreck and ruin your life. And you need some preachers that'll tell you that. You say, I like that preacher. He makes me feel good about myself. That's not what you need. You need to preach every once in a while. Now listen, now a, a preacher ought to preach all the time on sin. There's a whole Bible to preach. But every once in a while, probably more than every once in a while, quite often probably, he needs to drop the plow and plow up the weeds so that, that, so that the garden didn't get overgrown with things that are unnecessary and keep your life from being unfruitful. And so he said, you need to beware of dogs, false preachers. They're slothful, he says. He said, they lay around and sleep all the time. He said, they're sinful. You get down to the last verse there and he said, they, they're not only sinful, but they, when they're partaking of it, they'll say, come on, it's all right. I'm doing it and God's blessing me. 
We live, I, listen, I've never seen such a day, Brother Ken, of such license to sin. People want to shout, they want to testify, and yet they want to live wicked on Monday and Tuesday. That is foreign to the Word of God. That is not the life of the child of God. There is a life of holiness and righteousness that God calls His people to live. So he says, beware of uh, of dogs, those false preachers. Watch that crowd. Uh, Jude talks about a crowd. I can't get away from this. Jude talks about a crowd uh, that when he's talking, he said they bring, they preach a licentious, uh, a license to sin, basically. They, they, they've made the gospel, the grace. Uh, just do whatever you want to do. God loves you so much. He'll overlook it. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, repent. And then he says, you know, you got to beware of them dogs. You got to beware of them evil workers. That word evil means bad morals. Bad practices. Now I want to say something to young people. You might want to fit in. But it would be better for you to stay clear of a lot of the crowd that that wants to get a hold of you. If if, If they've got a foul mouth. If they tell dirty jokes, if they talk about your preacher, then you better get away from them because they'll wreck your life and steal your joy and make you miserable. Isn't that right? Evil workers. Some, some, some of us older people need to understand that. All them buddies down at the workplace... All they want to do is lie and cuss and tell dirty jokes. They are, they, you ought to get them, for long they ought to realize where you stand. And then, then you ought to notice that when you come around, they start whispering or they cut the conversation out. You're doing your job. But if they still go on doing what they want to do, you've slipped up somewhere. Then he said, beware the concision. Now, he's talking about the Judaizers. And they're the rights, they're trying to bring that right of circumcision in, make it part of salvation. I just want to apply it this way. You got to be careful getting wrapped up in ritualism, and formalism, and rights with no heart. You re- you'd be surprised how many people church is just a form. Rites and rituals and sayings and go through the motions and they think just because they've got the words we use, they've got everything they need. That's not right. In my area, it's not it's not formalism; it's traditionalism. It's killing people. It's it, you know they they just think and they, you know they don't they don't study that book and they just you know and it's all Papa I, I had a young used to work with a young preacher when I worked at a cabinet company he's about the same age and 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 they, their belief was that the the marriage supper was you know is nothing it was you know it's just a, all that was revelations basically just a spiritual thing and it didn't really mean anything and that it was not real it was just you know that one day when the Satan's releases the thousand years they said. 
said, you know, that's when you get saved. That one day you're saved, Satan's bound and he can't bother you. I mean, crazy stuff. And we got to talk and I showed him some scripture. I said, go home, read that. Look at that. He'd come back and said, you know, I see where you're coming from. But daddy, he's wrapped up in traditionalism. People get wrapped up in tradition, get wrapped up in formalism. They get wrapped up in just going through the motions. So he says, beware. Then he says, just so you know where we stand, we are the circumcision. What he's saying is we're the real. And he said, you know how you can identify us? Those that are real, it's not outward, but it starts inward. He takes it up in Romans chapter 2, the last few verses. He said, that man that's a Jew outwardly is not really a Jew. That man that's practiced the right of circumcision just on his flesh is not really a Jew. But that one that in his heart and in the work of the Spirit has been changed, that is a real Jew. That is real circumcision. And he said, you want to know how you can identify real Christianity? We worship God in the Spirit. That's how you know. It ain't just a show. It ain't just a lot of noise, but the Holy Ghost is involved when we worship God. God comes and he meets with us and we honor his name. And in spirit and in truth, we lift him up and worship him. Hey, listen, you can do it all. You can have a pipe organ. You can dot the ceilings and put out a beautiful building. But if the spirit of God don't come by, you're spinning your wheels. It ain't doing anything. It's all just carnal. But if the Holy Ghost gets in on the preaching, touches the singing, blesses the testifying, you're worshiping God then. He said the true Christians worship God in the Spirit. They do. He said we rejoice in Jesus Christ. That's what gives us joy. We don't get up and talk about our building. We get them to talk about the Lord. We rejoice in Him. Well, it ain't our positions. It ain't our possessions. It's the Lord. Isn't that right? I mean, it's Him. He's what thrills my heart. He's the only reason why I'm here. If I was left to myself, I'd be an old wretched dog. I'd be an awful thing. There's no telling the language in the life I would have lived. I know the vileness in my heart. But God, through the Son of God, come to where I stand and forgive me my sins. And I rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sing of Him. Testify about Him. Preach about Him. I won't ever get tired of it. I like it. We can stay here all night as long as He's the theme and we're honoring Him and worshiping Him. It's worthy. He's worthy of it. Isn't that right? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in who He is, what He's done. The so, uh, in that song of Solomon that Shulamite made, you just read through that. She's talking about His kisses. 
She's talking about his banner over her of love. She says, I'm lovesick. What she mean? You know, she says, I'm sick of love, but the meaning is I'm lovesick. She said, my heart's been stolen. Somebody has come into my life that has changed me. And she keeps talking about him and talking about him. You come to chapter five and the daughters of Jerusalem say, what's he any different than any other man? What's the big deal about the Lord? And she begins to describe him and she comes down and says he's all together lovely. That word the all together means completely without any spot. He's all together lovely. And that word lovely that means that there's just something about him that draws out affection. And I have to say amen. The Lord is worthy. And there's just something about who he is that draws out my affection. Makes me want to praise him and worship him because he's all together lovely. When she gets done talking about him, you get to chapter 6 and they say, where's he at? So we can worship him too. We want, we want, to, we want to follow him also. Well, I thought I'd know where I was going. I'm done way away from there, but it's all right. I felt the nudge of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He's, all, he's worthy, isn't he? Paul says here, he says, listen. If you, he said, we don't glory in the flesh. We worship God in the spirit. We rejoice in Christ. And we don't have any confidence in the flesh. It's a mess. You might not like me saying that to you, but your flesh is a mess. It is the problem. It is that thing you look at every morning that gets you into trouble. It's the, it, hey, it ain't that one and it ain't that brother over there and that sister over there. The biggest problem I have is right here. When I look at him every morning in the mirror, he's my worst trouble. He's my biggest enemy. It seems like he just calls, he hangs around all the time. I think I got, about got him up. He'll raise his head up again. So we don't have no confidence in him. Paul said in Ephesians, he said, you know what we need? We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He goes to Galatians. He says, you know what we need? We need to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. And if we do that, we can have victory. Instead of trying to do things in the flesh. How many services have been ruined because of the flesh? How many times I messed up preaching? Because of the flesh. The flesh. He said, well... Paul said, you want glory in the flesh. He said, if anybody could, I could. I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about being, you know, uh, rituals. He said, on the eighth day, he said, I was circumcised. You want to talk about relationships? He said, I, I'm an Israelite. I was born to the tribe of Benjamin. I, 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 you know, one of those sons of the darling of Rachel. I mean, you want to talk about respectability. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. You want to talk about the fact of religion. I'm a Pharisee. You want to talk about righteousness. He said, what zeal I had in persecuting the church I thought was wrong. And the righteousness by the law. He said, I was blameless. But he said, I come into the Lord's presence. And I count all that but dung that I might be in Christ. 
He said, I met a man on the road to Damascus who I'd seen in the Stephen's life and heard in the preaching. And I got acquainted with him and he changed my life forever. And he said, all that that I gloried in, all that that I built up, all that that I made preparations for, I just kicked it out the door and said, give me the Lord. He's what I want. You get born again just right like you're supposed to. And I tell you what, your whole attitude changes about things. And it gets to where the Lord is enough. He's all you need. And if he's on your side, it matters not what the world says. I'll finish up here in verse 10. His perspective's changed. He said, you know what I want? He said, you know what, my whole values have changed. He said, up above there, he said, to have Christ. He said, that's, what, that's the value. All that other stuff, I'd gladly trash it. It's done. Amen. Just to be in Christ by, and to have this salvation that is not by works, but it's by faith. Amen. Well, that's good. Yeah. I know me, and I probably know you. And if it's on works, we're doomed. If it's on keeping the law, there ain't no hope. But the salvation that the Lord offers us is by faith. In Romans chapter 9, he talks about the privileges, but he's talking about Israel, how they, they sought God towards the end of Romans chapter 9. They sought him after the law and they did not attain. But he said the Gentiles... That crowd that lived in wickedness and heathenism and in idolatry and practiced all kinds of vices. They heard the gospel and they believed and exercised faith. And they attained the righteousness that the Jews could not get by works. If you're born again, you got the same thing by faith. You got the righteousness of God applied to your account uh, through the salvation work of God. And you're forever saved by the grace of God. He said, because I've got different values now, because the Lord's number one, and the salvation I have is so precious. He says, change my whole perspective. He said, you know what I want? I want to know him. You say, we well, already knows him. Oh, no, he's not talking about that. He said, I want to know him. I want an intimate relationship with him. I want hand in hand to walk down the road. Now, listen, I, just naturally speaking, that lady right there sitting behind Brother Jones is my wife. I went to church for her. My friend had asked me to go to church and asked me to go to church and asked me to go to church, and I always had an excuse. I went to his house, and her family and his family was good friends, and we'd been out fishing. I come in, and he didn't even ask me to go to church that day. I said, I'll go to church with you in the morning. Because <laughs> I seen her, and I found out she went to church there. And I went just hopefully get a date. But the Lord, the Lord got hold of my heart. That man of God was preaching. And you just have to know Brother Earl. And uh, he's just an old country preacher. He's a preacher. And he'd go to this one and say, you ever been saved? And they were testifying. I mean, they'd say, yeah. And they'd cry and carry on. And I sat on the front pew. What in the world possessed me to sit on the front pew? 
And I said backwards, I, I wanted to get up and go to the bathroom, but I didn't want to get up in front of all those people. And I thought, what am I going to, he's going to ask me. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll tell him I'm saved, they won't know the difference, and they'll leave me alone. And he just went on preaching, quit asking people, and I got drawn into the message. The next thing, Brother Earl had both hands, one on each shoulder, and he said, what about you, son? You ever been saved? I said, uh-uh. Now, I mocked y'all. I made fun of y'all. As a 17-year-old boy, I got an old-time Holy Ghost conviction. About three months of that. Listen, y'all think it's bad. I'm 17 years old, and I didn't even want to turn the light out at night for it. I was going to go to hell. And one night, one night, they was having a revival in an old barn on a piece of ground they bought to build a church. And I went, I don't even, I could not tell you what the preacher preached. I was just waiting for the altar call. That's all I wanted. And then when it come, there's this struggle. Go, don't go, go, don't go. I finally went. I prayed, gave God everything. Now listen, God lifted that load of sin. I got up, I didn't even know y'all's vocabulary. I know that they said, what happened to you? And I know what they wanted. They wanted to say, I'm saved. I didn't know. They said, what happened to you? I said, I feel clean all over. Amen. And that's exactly what happened to me. God had washed away my sins, put peace in my heart, and changed my life. I saved. I didn't know the words, but it happened. And he became precious to me. And he's everything. I've lived my life for him. I've made a mess of it a lot of times. And a lot of times I've allowed the selfishness of my own heart to get in the way. But every once in a while when it gets that way, he'd peek through the lattice at me. And I'd get a new view of him and I'd fall in love again. And I'd run after him one more time. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. Do you want that? Do you have a desire for, hey, about, to, about last June, I guess it was. I, I, I don't know, Miss Ford, then it's about the COVID time, I guess. I, I was preaching, pastoring the church, and just doing what I could do, just, you know, I was trying to be faithful. I, then COVID hit, and, and uh, you know, we couldn't have church for a little while and all that stuff. And I was walking back there in the fields, and me and God renewed a new relationship. And I've apologized to Him, and still sometimes I get out there and tell how much I love him and weep over it and say Lord I've wasted a lot of years years I could have just spent and just preaching and going all out for you and I'm so sorry for that but if you'll help me I'll preach I'll tell it I'll tell everybody and if you'll help me and just the other day God touched me again I've got Sunday morning we had probably 11 lost people in our church from about 30 down a lot of young men coming now all of a sudden and I said Lord help me help me to preach for our faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God I don't want to tell them stories I don't want to tickle their ears but I want to take this book and open it and preach the word of God so that God will stir faith up in their heart and they'll believe that that God that that saved me can save them too and they'll run to him one day you want to know him he said I want to know more than just him I want to know the power of his resurrection he said that power that got him out of the grave, I want that power in my life so I can have victory and live for him and serve him in a way that'll be effective when I'm doing something. You understand what I'm saying? We can go through the motions. 
go out of the church house and not affected anybody. It sounds good, but it's missing that special ingredient, the power of God. He said, I also want to know the fellowship of his suffering. He said, if we're going to go, let's go all the way. A lot of people won't stop right there. They want to shout. They want to know the power. They want to have an intimate relationship with God. But they don't want to walk the walk. They don't want the suffering. Now, not, he's not talking about the cross. There's some stuff the Lord suffered only he can suffer. But he lived a godly life down here, and his life was lived with persecution and trial. And, and the Bible says in Timothy that if we live godly, we'll suffer. He shall. I mean, it's a definite. You, it's not a might. There's a whole lot of people not suffering anything because they don't ever let their light shine. Down at the workplace, they don't know they go to church. Over at the school, they don't ever say nothing about being saved. And they don't say nothing to their friends about it. And so they're, because they're afraid that they'll be made fun of and mocked. But Paul said, listen, I want to know him. I want to know his power. And I want to get in on the suffering so I can experience the whole thing. And I want to tell you something. Just in all honesty. There's some things in the dark places and in the hurting times when you've been cut by the world, cut by a friend, cut by those you love. There's something about God's presence that you can't find anywhere else. First church I pastored, when I went there, we had six. I was young. We got about 30. It was a big church. It had a lot of people. It had a lot of trouble. And then I got to visiting people. And I found out a man was living with another woman whose husband and wife, they were all members of the church. And I said, we're going to do something about this. And I, I, I'll tell you, there was a lot of zeal and not a lot of knowledge. But I pushed. They pushed back. I pushed again. They pushed back. I come by on Sunday morning and there were 75 people there. And I did not have enough sense. I should have just said, all right, love y'all, see you there. Go down the road. I preached. I gave an altar call. I sent them home. Just made it worse. That's just matter. I come next Sunday morning. They've got there before me. Done had business meeting. And I was gone. I just cried. Told my loved one, went out the door, got in the car, and the devil said, It's over. Something like that right there, you're done preaching. I want nobody touch you with a 10 foot pole. Somebody else put their arm around me, and then he just started opening doors. I, I didn't think, I thought, how can people know? By the time I got home, I hadn't been home a couple hours. And I was hurting. My pastor called me, Brother Milby. He wasn't my pastor at the time, but he, he, he called me and said, Preacher, come preach for me. Somebody else called me. One for a few months, I was pastoring another church. God just, but he just took me under his arms and said, Well, I'll, I'll go with you through this trouble. And then he said, I want to be made conformable unto his death. You go back to chapter 2, and it talks about the Lord. How when he made the form of a man, he became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. 
I believe the picture of that being made of Corman's death, he's just simply saying, I want to get to that place where I'm so completely submitted to the Lord that whatever he wants. If it is death, if it's Africa, if it's wherever, I'm just so submitted to God that whatever he wants to do with me, he can do with me. Just like my Lord who submitted himself. to He didn't have to die. He did because it was the will of the Father and it was the plan of God. And he's saying, I want that in my life. I want to submit myself to the Lord that whatever his will is, whatever his plan is for my life, I don't put my hands on it. I let him do what he wants to do. Remember, we need to rejoice in the Lord. Some things we need to be aware of too. And I want to say it one more time. He's altogether lovely. There's nobody like, listen, I love y'all. Some of y'all don't even know your name. I love you. You know why I love you? Because he loves you. He's wonderful, isn't he? I could go on and on and on about what he's done for me. I'm going to stop, but he's been the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, everything I've got has come from his hand. He's been good to me. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. I've got a, a, a house. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a vehicle to get here. It's all by the grace of God. Go ahead, brother.